of God, that means you house the Spirit of God. And if you house the Spirit of God, your eyes are open to truth and you should be perpetually changing, ever growing, ever increasing. You do not strive to grow. You abide to grow. And when you abide, growth, and growth means I'm different than I was. I'm greater than I was. Old things are passing away. All things are becoming new. And because you are sons, you should not have a purely predictable Christian life. But it should be one of saying goodbye to things and people. And saying hello to the things that God has for us and the people he has for us. Number three, because you are sons, the world will not recognize you or receive you, but will instead hate you. They hate you because of who you are. They hate you because where you stand and what you say and what your life emanates. 2 Corinthians 2 says this, We are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, to those who are being saved, the change in our life, the emanation of the Spirit of God is a fragrance unto life and those who are lost, it is a fragrance unto death. And because you are sons... You have access to this spirit-filled, spirit-led, and spirit-empowered life. You have the opportunity and the capacity and the power to be filled with the Spirit of God, thus living free, thus living whole, thus living healed. You have the capacity to navigate, endure, and be victorious in anything and everything. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in everything can abound to every good work. So number five this morning, because you are sons, if you're taking notes, number five, because you are sons, you can expect discipline from the Lord. Oh, it's going to get quiet. I had you till number five. Number five. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Guys, could we get that on the screen as well? Hebrews 12 verse 5. Y'all holler at me. It can be like, hello, praise the Lord, something when it comes up there. Hebrews 12, 5. Don't let the guys in the sound booth beat you on computer. Yep. Praise it, praise the Lord. <laughs> Beginning with verse 5. You have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son... Despise not the chastening, which means the disciplinary correction of the Lord, nor faint when you're rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, which means he educates them by discipline. And he scourgeth every son that he receives, which means every son that he accepts, that he delights in, that he admits into the family, he scourges them. Your God sounds like my devil. I've had people tell me that. You hear charismatic preachers say, God won't do stuff like that to his children. God won't allow sickness to teach him a lesson. Your God sounds like my devil. Do you know what scourge means in the Greek? Flog. They flogged Jesus with a cat of nine tails. Now this is meek and mild, tender Jesus, the Lord, who was stripped naked and hung wide, stretched wide and hung high and bled and died for our sins. And he is letting us know that if you're his child and it necessitates it, he will flog the rebellion out of you. I don't like that. I like the, 
I don't want to, you know, now we're seeing the fruit of 20 years of don't discipline your children. You can like it or not like it. We're, they're, they're smarter than we are. They're more advanced than we are. They're more educated than we are. And we have produced a generation of not everyone, but the culture created a rottenness, a self-entitled. And we had our problems, but lack of discipline wasn't one of them. Can I get one amen from anybody over 40? My mom was on the front row. I'm sorry. I'm just telling y'all, if there was defects back then, they'd still be in jail. They'd still be in jail. Now, how do you get around that? Every son that he has, he chastens them, which means he educates them through discipline. And if that doesn't work, he flogs them. Well, I didn't know about that. Well, it's right there. That's why we're reading it. Every son that he accepts. Now, if you endure this discipline, whether it's uh, mild, medium, or extra hot. You know, we had three kinds of whippings at home. We had, the, we had the cheeseburger, we had the quarter pounder, and we had the Big Mac. And if you got the Big Mac, you saw dead relatives, you know, <laughs> flashing across the screen. If you endure, I'm going to my mom's for lunch today. She's going to talk to me, I promise you. I promise you. They're going to think I was, I turned out all right. Mom, you're good. You're good. You're good, Mom. If you endure this discipline, if you stay under it, if you remain, if you undergo, if you bear, if you persevere chastening. Why would he say if you? Because some don't. They pull back from a God that is supreme. They pull back from a God of authority. They pull back and create a God in their own image that lets them do what they want to do. But you have to remain under. Let me give you just one small example. When the Lord tells you to go say you're sorry again. And you've done it the last 10 times. Now, don't look to your left or your right because it caused marriage troubles. Do not look. Just look straight ahead. And you say, but God. He says, no, I'm working on you. I'm chastening you. And we don't, people don't endure it. They, they turn their radio off. I'm not listening to it. It's the spirit of the prodigal. Why did he move out? Because he was tired of living under the eyes and the authority of his father. And how many of you moved out under 20 years old? How many of us? 19, 18, 17. We knew it all, didn't we? we, we you move out because you won't stay under whether they were right or wrong. The one that set the rules, you are, you're just going on your own. There are Christians today that name the name of Christ, sing the songs of the Lord, read the Bible, and do not live with their father. And I can prove it because they're not chastened. Convicted. In a group of Christians and they're all at the theater and everybody's laughing and you ain't laughing. And you hear him speak to your heart, get out of here. In that moment... Well, what will they think? And I just rekindled this friendship with this one. And this one's kind of fragile. She won't understand. I'll have to step to 2 o'clock and answer all her questions because she talks so much. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And we just sit there. And the Lord says, you disobeying me. Do you want time out? No, 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 no. No time out. I remember time out. You get whipped so hard, you be like, time out up in here. Time out. You're killing me. Time out. 
See, I have to get it with, I had to mix it with humor because y'all won't be able to take today. You won't be able to take. If you endure. So there's a big if over your life. Are you going to let him be the supreme and sole authority? Are you going to let him rule? Are you going to let him punish you? And says, you don't have this friendship anymore. Like you told your kid, they're not good for you. Come out. How can we see it so clearly with our children and not see that we are the children? That is good. Turn that off. Don't tell me what to listen to. Kids walking around. Can't even talk to them. Just, pull that out your head. How, well, if I got these in, I don't have to listen to you or the teacher or anybody in authority. All it is is I'm choosing what's going in. You don't understand this generation. We had headphones, people. They weighed 32 pounds, but we had headphones. 12-inch cord, you had to hang out by the radio like this. There's an if hanging over your life. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is it whom the Father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, without the punishment, without the discipline, whereof we are all, say all, all partakers, then you're bastards. You're illegitimate. That's where the group of people come in that name his name and said, have we not done many mighty wonderful works in your name? Haven't we cast out devils? He said, I don't even know you. You didn't stay in my house because of the rules. You'll hear it on the radio. No rules, no religion. You'll hear it in the songs. I've made my decision. I'm going to follow God my way. No, you're going to follow God the Father's way. The Father's way. The kid doesn't determine how you serve and how you act. What you do, there are rules in this house. And you can move out. And Christians do. And they find a church that lets them govern themselves. Preacher, just inspire me. Make me feel good. Tell me two funny stories and give me one that makes me wipe one tear as long as I get to decide my life. That means I'm on my own. When you moved out, 17, I'm on my own. And when you move out, from under the authority of God's word and God's spirit, you are on your own. Furthermore, like there should be more, number nine, we all have had fathers in our flesh that corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? Our earthly parents disciplined us after their own pleasure. Now, let me correct something here in the King James. It almost sounds like they come in and go, Oh, I'm going to enjoy this here. That's not what it means. That's a, that word pleasure in that day and time doesn't mean... Today it means the parents going, I've been waiting to come home from work so I can wear you out. I'm so happy to do this. It's not what it means. It says, according to their assessment, what they feel is best for the child, according to their own understanding... They chastened us this way, what they thought would be for our best. But God for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness, which means his moral blamelessness. Why does God discipline us? You'll see it. You see it on television. You see it in your Christian books. If you turn on most any preacher or teacher, there's no teaching of being morally blameless. It's what God just kind of winks at that. It just It's love. Love wins. No, the belt wins. The belt shows you that you are children. And if that's not going on, you're illegitimate. You may be in the house, but you don't belong to the Father. 
We've got, we've got to receive that from him. And, and the Bible says we will live. And it produces, the, the purging produces a moral blamelessness, not a perfection. We're not perfect. But it means that we don't live in fornication or adultery or homosexuality or reviling, uh, a reveling spirit, which means a party spirit. One of my staff come in staff meeting the other day and told me there was, and please don't tell me you knew or you went. Just, just please don't. It was hymns and beer, like a karaoke or something. So here's this guy after about six or eight uh, Colt 45s, shackled by a heavy burden, and all the drunks, yes, God, yes, Lord. And not a Christian in the house to stand up and go, have you lost your mind? You think this honors God? You think it honors God to parade an addiction at worst, or, or an addiction at least, rebellion at worst, and mix the, 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 uh, the holy with the profane? Don't know any difference. Because you've not been whipped like I've been whipped. Do you remember growing up? I'm just talking to middle-aged folks and older this morning. Young people, y'all can just get the CD, shelve it, put it in a time capsule, pull it out in about 20 years. It'll make plenty of sense to you. Do you remember being at somebody's house? Terry, do you mean bring it to somebody's house and watch that boy say something to his dad? And you go, oh. And nothing happened. You go, you can't process it. You go, what? What did you just tell him? And then the boy said, I'll tell you another thing, daddy. And you go, my God, call the coroner. This, he, ain't, he ain't making it out. No, no. I don't. We don't do that. I'm, I'm my son's friend. You're his parent. Discipline is the evidence of sonship. It's the evidence. It's the evidence. All right, where are we at? Number 11. I like this part. It brings a little balance as well. Now, no chastening. For this present seemeth to be joyous. Isn't that kind of an understatement? <laughs> Just beat you half to death and go, how you feeling? Oh, I'm not joyous. I can tell you that. It does. There, any discipline that's joyous, all right, if I tell you one more time. And they, say, they do it again. Okay, I'll tell you what. You don't get your iPad for 12 minutes. <laughs> oh, I'm good. But when your daddy is one of those Billy Bob or Joe and him, you know, don't even have a last name, just Billy Bob. I'm going to die iPad. Throws it to him. Sets it up against the corner of the yard on a hill. Takes out a semi-automatic rifle. <laughs> you know what never means, boy? <laughs> you ain't never using that again. Oh, happy day. I'm disciplined. I don't have an iPad. Oh, he went and got the 360. It's going to be a part. No. When God is disciplining you, it is grievous to your soul. And you'll search for other people that tell you you don't have to be disciplined. And the only way not to live disciplined is move out. Just move out. He won't let you do what your other Christian friends do. He won't let you go where they go. He won't let you say what they say. He won't let you listen to what they listen to. Well, what? Parents, can't we just all have a day where you leave going, I got it. Did I, I hear this. Well, Joey's parent said, what do you, you cut them off. What do you tell them? I ain't Joey's daddy. 
And these other Christians tell you all of what they can do and what they can get by with. Shacked up living with someone in a state of fornication and tell you, God showed me they're going to be my spouse and it's okay. And you say, God, what? I'm not their parent. Don't, don't follow what they do. Christians will lead you into a hole. And I can lead you into a hole if I vary from this book. And the Bible says that for sexual immorality and the like, the wrath of God falls on the children of disobedience. Heaven opens and wrath is poured out. Well, I ain't got whipped yet. That's because he's storing up strength. All of us. The fear of the Lord. My daddy had a deliverance ministry. He did. He did. He said, Sandra, me and Johnny are going to go in the back. Mama said one time that I was, while he was preaching, I was doing something and wouldn't behave and always turn around waving and talking to people. And uh, he just come off the platform. Mama's playing. And he grabs me by the hand, taking me out, I guess just outside, just in front of God and everybody. <laughs> Mama said I was like three, four, three and a half, four years old. And he's, I was walking at first, and then I realized I'm going to the, to the gas chamber, you know. She said, <laughs> She said, I was dragging my feet. And then she said, I turned to the congregation. And see, I'm so scared of reaping in my babies. I'm just telling you. I turned to the congregation. Pray, people, pray. <laughs> For the love of God, pray somebody. <laughs> but it's a miracle. What, he's outside for just about five minutes. I come back in, coat buttoned. Brethren, sister, how's everyone? Good. Right here, Father? Right here. Good. I like this chair. Carry on, Father. Like it or not, discipline modifies behavior. Discipline modifies behavior. This, I ain't even got to my notes yet. This is good. All right. No chastening seems to be joyous, but grievous. But... Afterward, tell me afterward. Not when, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which have been exercised thereby. I have been exercised in the natural and in the spiritual. And what follows is behavioral change because you know God's not playing with you and will do anything for you, and bless you, and take care of you, and heal you, and protect you, and provide for you, and nurture you, and nourish you, and answer the greatest desires of your heart, but he will chasten you. So, lift up the hands that hang down. You know, after you discipline a kid, and they do that thing, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, Rather, let it be healed. I'm going to give you a list of just, it's not an exhaustive list, but attributes of the Lord's discipline. Now, we're off of the natural man's discipline. I just drew that correlation to let you understand that God's serious about your maturation. And he uses discipline, varying types and stuff, but he uses discipline to bring about a maturation. Okay, letter A. There's a common discipline. A common discipline. A loss of peace. A grieved conscience or the hiding of God's face. 
The common one hurts the worst. When you know you've grieved him and you can't feel him, you can't feel his presence, you can go to your radio or, or your iPad or your phone and play your favorite Christian music and you feel nothing. Because the Lord has not left you in the sense of abandoned you and you're no longer a son. He says, you'll feel no part of my smile or my presence. And that discipline. Some of you were raised with a father or a mother that knew you very well. And you didn't have to be whipped. Just a look of displeasure. And you go, I would rather die than disappoint you. I have found that the Lord knows in my life that when he turns his face away from me, I can't live like that. What do I got without him? What do I have if, I, if I'm not at peace with him and I lose my peace? I'm not the father I should be. I'm not the husband I should be. I'm not the man I'm supposed to be. I'm not the pastor I'm supposed to be. It's impossible for me to minister the things of God without God. So there's a common discipline. And you will find, and I very rarely use the words always, be careful if somebody says always and never. But when that common discipline of the Lord hiding his face, when it is worked, he comes back in all his fullness. All his fullness. And you know he's with you. You know you're loved. And you're like, I'm just so sorry, Father. I'm just so sorry. And peace comes back. If you've lost your peace, it's not on God's end. It's on your end. Okay, letter B. Accurate, measured, and di me accurate discipline, measured discipline, designed especially for you. All children are different. One kid you don't have to spank. It's not a look of displeasure. You just tell him he can't have any candy. And she just passes out on the floor. She can't <laughs> believe it. You take away electronics, you know, and they feel like they're going to die. He says, no, I know how you're wired. Kelly told me, growing up, she wasn't whipped. She wasn't spanked. And I was like, thousands, thousands. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Every Sunday of my life from 3 to 11, we're cutting up in church. Deserved. And I said, well, what kind of discipline? My mother, who she loves more than her life. I knew I disappointed her. So don't look at one person and say, well, the Lord's not disciplining them. You don't know the inward workings of their heart. It's accurate and measured. He knows which child, you know, you have to drive some demons out. And some you just, you know, talk them out. Anyway, I'll back, I'll back away from that point. May I confess a fault to you that I might be healed? That's what the scripture says. We don't lay our sins all out in front of people, but we confess our faults. Years ago, it was probably eight years ago, I just, it come to my awareness, or I began to think about it, I've never had the um, pulpit committees come in. You know what that is, where their, their church is empty, and they're coming in with six or seven guys and women and checking you out and want to see if you'd be interested in interviewing? Never had that, to my knowledge. Other pastors, yeah, I had a pulpit committee this day, and I had a pulpit committee, and I had two people call me, and I'm like, Ain't nobody called me. Nobody 
I'm, I'm being honest with you. And I'm, my friends are like, Wood, nobody'd have you. You had to start your own church. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Edification. That meant a lot to me that you. Nobody called me. We would have things at our district as well as other places where they would have uh, pioneering pastors uh, teach on pioneering a church. And I'd started seven. And the guy they asked to speak had never started a church. And I'm thinking, so what's up? No, no pulpit committee. No one's ever asked me for a resume, ever. And so I wasn't whining, but I'm like, God, what's up with this? And in my carnal, the back of my mind, and I don't do this often, honestly, I'm telling you the truth, I don't have a competitive nature in me. If they're hitting the ball out of the park of it, wonderful. Praise the Lord. I got my own problems, my own play. Good, good for you. No competition. But I was thinking, I said, Dave, other people think they're better than me, or I'm not. Why, why wouldn't they call me and say, Brother John, you know, you've started seven. And nobody else in the middle of Georgia area in this denomination done that. So I ought to, nothing. And as clear as you hear my voice. Now, it wasn't audible, but I had a knowing. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I have kept all of that from you because you do not have the character to receive praise. It would have hurt me had it not opened my eyes to how much he loves me. I could have let a couple of people that you didn't know who their last name was brag on you and inflate you and lost 10 years of your ministry. But I have measured out. I have designed specifically chastisings at all types of levels to grow you and to keep you. That doesn't mean I'm better than the people that gave the talk. It meant that I was deeply flawed and was disqualified from the praise. So instead of making that making me feel horrible, it makes me feel how loved I am. You kept my Titanic from hitting icebergs by simply closing the door. Blessed be your great name, O oh God. You know. Some of us, that's why he's kept things from us. Some of you have worked hard enough to be at this level financially and he's kept you at this level financially and you cannot figure out why and it's because the Lord loves you and he knew that that level of success would ruin you. Just a thought. If you saw it in your baby's life, wouldn't you prevent it? Yeah, well, let's not attribute to ourselves something that God wouldn't do. Thank you, Terry. I'm going to tag out to you in a minute. I'm, I'm telling you. Terry can go now. And by the way, let me just say this. If you're in our church new and don't know Terry's here on the corner seat, just wave your hand, Terry, if you will. Terry heads up a Celebrate Recovery. For those of you that have got, uh, you know, what is it? Hang-ups. What is it? There's three. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Hang uh, those of you that have gotten out of, of jail. And listen, we're not looking down at you. We've all got dysfunctions and the such. But if you want to be with a group of people that can identify with your type of struggle, get, stand up. Just give them the promo so they'll know. No, I want them to hear this. So t tell them. Tell them about where it's at, what time. I guess this is my discipline. <laughs> no, I want them to know about the ministry part.
sharing his testimony in a couple of weeks. This next week, Andy King is going to be there. So, thank you, Pastor John. Okay. So y'all skip a week when Andy's there, and then I'll see you the following week. All right. Letter C. It's a painful discipline. There is no pain-free discipline. You hear me? If the Lord's disciplining you, it will have either a mental pain, an emotional pain, a relational pain, a financial pain. Uh, you, you name it. He, he, he targets it accordingly. But no discipline is without pain. And I would tell you some are extremely painful. When he rips a relationship away from you. When he takes health from you. Uh, that did it. Time out, pastor. I would never make my children sick to prove a point. How dare you say God would allow that? I just, and once you're done talking, may I just quote Bible for you. The Lord speaks of believers that do not discern the body and blood of the Lord when they take communion. They're taking communion with known, willful, rebellious sin. And God said, and because you did not discern the body of the Lord and you were irreverent in that, thinking that I would look the other way, that's why some of you are sick and others of you are dead. That don't fit in our common theology. It's in the book. Now, God's not just slinging sickness out like mayonnaise covering his children. But he says, I, 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 will, I will break you down to build you up. I will save you through confinement. Yes, he will. And it is painful to be disciplined of the Lord. But it's always loving discipline. Loving discipline. Never, never, never does God discipline us outside of love. Never. He judges the wicked in his anger. But the discipline the Lord gives you, don't let the devil uh, trick you into thinking God doesn't care for you. It is with a heart of love, with the best of intentions. We say we're preparing our children for their adult years. He's preparing us for eternity. It's with love. Always. Every time. It's pure discipline. It's not mixed with ulterior motives. Some of us discipline our children and we set standards for our own good. You know, these guys that raise up their boy and one of their boys can really throw a football. I mean, really. He's like nine years old throwing like a 12-year-old. And he disciplines him and we're up early and you're drinking raw eggs and half and half and we're going to build you up and we're going to, he's got a conditioning coach and strength and his, well, what are you doing that for? I want him to be the best that he can be. What else? He's going to take care of me when I get old. This one here is going to sign the NFL ticket for millions of dollars and me and mama going to live on the water. His, you see what I'm saying? How it can be mixed. The motive can be mixed. God's motive is never mixed. He disciplines you with a pure discipline so that you might receive shared glory with the Son in eternity. It's pure. It's pure. Not, not um, mixed with foreign substances. It's timely. Sometimes the Lord waits and waits and waits. Other times He just takes the belt off right then. Sometimes he uh, uses other people. Sometimes he uses other people to introduce you to yourself.
but it's right on time. Now, some of y'all whipped us too quick. I ain't saying who. It's too quick. Other times, it's too late. You can't start disciplining your boy when he's 19. But the Lord says, before this calendar hits this page, I'm going to root that out of you. Because I love you and you are my boy. Love. Love will let you not like me so I can get you to where you need to get. Can I tell a story on my son Jimmy this morning? We're still going to get out early, I promise, guys. My son Jimmy, who is a wonderful man of God now. He's 34. It's hard to believe. I got a two-year-old and a 34-year-old. It just, Jesus, take the wheel and lock me in the trunk. But Jimmy was the kind of guy, never complained about anything. You got the same reaction if you gave him a pair of socks or a car. He just, no complaint, no complaint. But he was kind of lazy to start with. He has one of the hardest work ethics of any man I know now. But he just, I just couldn't get him motivated. And uh, I kept asking, I said, Jimmy, what do I ask you to do, buddy? I just, you know, pick your drawers up out of the floor. Just, I don't want to step on your underwear. Pick your drawers up. You know, clean up your mess. And this is horrible, the, 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 the gall of a parent. And I want you to take the Herbie Kirby to the street on Tuesday. I know, I know. I said, that's kind of a lot, but I know. He just wouldn't do it. I forgot. We got flies, vultures, raccoons hanging out of our trash can. Got to wait till the next Tuesday. No, not me. I'll put it in the back of a pickup truck and drive it to somebody else's neighborhood. Set it on the ground, let it get picked up. You know. Y'all ain't never did that. All right, okay. So we went about three or four weeks, and I sat down with him, and I talked love, and I'm trying to reach him. He said, I just didn't think about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to do something. So he come home. He went and did something with a friend, and he come home, and we had bought him like a, uh, we. I would bought him like a, Eight-year-old truck, perfect condition, pristine, forerunner. Uh, um, it was a Nissan truck. It was beautiful. And he, he come home. He said, uh, "Where's my truck?" I said, "Oh, I sold it." Oh, you mean my truck? I sold it. And he was just—you could see him just buffering. Just <laughs> what? I said. Uh, he said, well, 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 "Well, what am I gonna do?" I said, I didn't think about it. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. So Jimmy was on the phone, bumming rides, walking halfway home from school. He's all right. He's, he's, he's fine. No, don't worry. Oh, that was horrible. No, no, he was getting there. So he had, I'm going to buy me a car. Well, how much money you got? You know how they kind of bait you to see what you're going to chip in? How much money you got? I got about $65. Okay. <laughs> he wound up buying a uh, I didn't even know they made Civics this old. It was like 62 or something. I don't know what it was. It leaked like the Exxon Valdez. It poured oil. I said, don't park on my driveway. He goes, well, it'll kill the grass. I said, kill the whole yard. You're leaking so much oil. Park on the street. It smoked fumes come through the, not fumes, come through the air vent. He turned it on. <laughs> it was horrible. It was, I said, Jimmy, ride with your windows down, buddy. It's hot. I don't want you dying in this car, Jimmy. So he drove it about a year, and he got a revelation. And when he initiated the conversation, he said, this ain't about me getting a car. 
I took advantage of you and your kindness, and I thought about me first. And I just thank you for loving me enough to discipline me. This was a man talking, and he wasn't saying it to get anything. I said, you're welcome, buddy. And now I want to tell you, anything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. And when my boy graduated college, I'm not saying this boasting. I'm giving you a small little mirror image of how great God does these things. I said, now, when you get out of school and you get your degree, I want you to come home, okay? I know you can go get an apartment, but come home. I want you to give me $500 a month, and I'm going to save it for you so you don't just spend your money on stupid stuff. And I'm going to help you get a new car. I'm going to give you half. You come up with half, so I want you to live for a year just with really nothing. Just put, give me a year. And when you get married, that was already engaged, I said, you're going to own a car, a new car, a two-year-old car, and you're going to have a down payment for a house for your wife. And you're never going to have to rent a day in your life. And he did. And when you're working, you know, pick up jobs and you're giving daddy 500 and you're saving money for a car, he just didn't have a lot of money. And when he proposed to the girl, he had the ring. He had the house. She was in the house a couple months before getting it ready, nesting. And he had a car. And it's because of discipline. You follow me? You're not, you, you want their good. And I have already decided, and my wife's with me. She is good about this. Y'all know I want my baby girls and my boy to love me. But I see this train coming in the teenage years. I see it coming. You've never loved me. You. Mama loves us. And Mama's going to say, no, Mama's doing right here with John. Same thing. And I will finance your misunderstanding and mislabeling me, but I will not let you grow up rotten. I will not. And with all these amens, you think God's going to let us grow up rotten? You will be kind. You will be peaceable. You will be patient. You will be swift to hear and slow to speak. You will love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and strength. You're going to love your neighbor like yourself. You're going to prefer people to yourself. You're going to suffer wrong. And because they're a brother, you're not going to take it to court. You're going to let it go. You are going to grow up. And I will make sure to do in your early years what needs to be done so that you can enjoy eternity with the recognition and rewards of maturity. That's what he's doing for us. Ben, if you would come, please, buddy. It's necessary discipline. Well, John, I didn't have any discipline, and I turned out okay. Maybe in the extremes, but there's missing elements, I can promise you. Promise you. Because certain things happen in the heart with discipline that never happen with celebration and affirmation. And things happen in the heart in affirmation and celebration that never happen in discipline. So if we're not disciplined, there's voids, pockets of lack and weakness and frailty when you join the military the first thing they do is discipline you because we can't have you coming apart on the field and it meaning the life of your comrades and God's saying I can't have you come apart in the world and your friends and family go to hell I can't do it you've got to be disciplined and mature and when it's there I ain't gonna bother you I work on a different area but I've got a goal in mind Discipline is necessary for us. God gives necessary and consistent discipline. He don't forget. You remember wishing your mom would forget or your dad would forget? and they didn't for If you had a forgetful parent, you're like, yes. Mine didn't forget. had elephant memory. It's, 
You remember three years ago, Tuesday, what you said? And it, it happened. It happened. Consistent. And now listen. I've played and cut up about my mom and dad. I want you to look me in the eye. Okay. The discipline I received was one of the greatest gifts of my life. But I had to become a man to see it. And in Christ, you have to be grown to see that everything he withheld and everything he purged and flogged from us was out of love for us. God's discipline is endearing. I don't have a lot of memories of my earthly dad. He got sick when I was real young. Uh, He passed away when I was 11, you know. But I, I remember how often he whipped me. How measured it was. And how he looked at me. I can close my eyes and see him with me sitting on that bed. And the tears falling. You could hear him hit his stomach. Before, during, and after. And he'd say, come here, baby. Let me check you. Come here. And of course, I was never hurt. He checked my legs. He'd say, pull your britches down right here. He checked me. And he cut my face in his hands. And he goes, do you know how much I love you? And you're doing that. (gasps) You know, he said, Johnny, I would go to hell for you. And I knew it. I knew it. He would. And Jesus is saying to us in his word, I would go into the lower parts of the earth for you. And he did. And it endears you. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Mama, for caring for me enough to be the bad guy for that three, four, five-year period so I could get to the next place of where I needed to be and I wasn't in my 30s being a dwarf. And there are those in our church today, by odds, you can't figure out what's going on and why everything you touch is coming apart and why God seems a million miles away and you just, I'm, I'm just about to quit. I'm done with church and all the other. You're at the if, if you endure chastening. If you'll humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, then the Lord will lift you up. I don't know how it's to end but this. And this is not the kind of thing. We have plenty of altar services. It's personal. You got to get it alone at home if you're like me and take the legal pad out and write them out. This is what I'm doing. This this is the problem. I know it's the problem and you're not forgetting and you're not going to give up and you're not going to relent. Because I'm your son. And I I want to repent of these things and I want to get back in good with you. And I don't, oh, church family, just give me 60 seconds. Let me finish. Don't ever pray that the Holy Spirit would leave you alone. Whatever you do, oh Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from us. So I'll know when I'm wrong or out of your will or bringing displeasure to you. Don't ever take your Holy Spirit from us, Lord. And if you endure chastening, there's, it, it brings about a peaceable fruit of righteousness. And I've been waiting all week to tell you this, or three weeks now. 
in the earthly realm, in the natural realm, when a son grows up, he moves out of the house. In the spiritual realm, you move back into the house. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. Because where I am, I want you to live also. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's not a trek away from God. We're marching to Zion, the beautiful city of Zion, our heavenly home. And it's discipline. Amen. It's discipline that gets us there. With every eye open, this won't take any time. It's an assault to your pride. I know, Lord, that I either need discipline or I've been rejecting discipline. Or you say, I receive your discipline. I trust you. If that's you, I just want you to stand. That's it. And we're going to pray. If you know in your life this is applicable for you. Brother Terry, would you come and pray over us? Would you mind? I love you, buddy. You would bow your heads. Father, we just come before you, God, today, and yes, no discipline seems pleasurable at the time, God, but we know that it's going to reap a harvest in the season. Lord, we thank you, God, that you care so much about us, Lord, that you would be willing to discipline us. You would not allow us to continue to go in a direction, God, that was contrary to your will for our hearts and our lives. Each person that has st- stood here today, Lord, is, is saying, Lord, I choose to follow you and your way. I choose to walk away from the things that, are, that is hindering me from my relationship with you, God. Today, I declare, God, that my relationship is going to become right. My relationship is going to begin to uh, flourish, and it's going to thrive as I receive your discipline in my heart and in my life. And I thank you, God, again, that you love me enough to discipline me enough that you would call me your son. I am your child. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church family, before you're dismissed, I want to give you one invitation. Uh, Not a lot of people take advantage of this, and I I know it's work-related and stuff, but on Wednesday nights, we have an adult Bible study, and it's more the style of like this morning where we teach, and we're teaching about the God of our fathers. And if, if you can, I just want to invite you to join us on Wednesday nights, 6.30 in the grill. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.